Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Crypto.com. Join 10 million plus users buying and selling 90 cryptocurrencies at true cost on the world's fastest growing crypto app, Crypto.com. Grow your portfolio by receiving rewards on your crypto assets. Plus, spend the Crypto.com Visa card and get up to 8% back. Find out more and support this podcast by going to autoconverse.com forward slash crypto, C-R-Y-P-T-O, and get $25 in CRO added to your account when you enter our promo code upon sign up and make the initial required deposit. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash crypto to get our promo code and receive $25 in free CRO when you open a new account with our promo code. And thank you. Corruption is not, I don't think, endemic to um, the Web 2.0 version of the web. Uh, I think it's intrinsic to human nature. (laughs) We, uh, you know, as a species, we don't have a real good (laughs) track record when it comes to, uh, you know, morality. And so... You know, we're always in it for ourselves. Well, what decentralization tries to do is level out the playing field so that you and I don't have to trust each other in order to cooperate on making the ecosystem better. That was Alan Taylor, author of the new book, Crypto Social, How Cryptocurrency is Changing Social Media talking about the idea of decentralization and how blockchain technologies make that idea possible. But does it really? We will see all this and more coming up in this episode. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I am Ryan Girardi. Great, as always, to be here with you. You heard the clip in the beginning of Alan Taylor talking about blockchain technology and the idea of decentralization. Well, the internet started out this way as well, decentralized, and look where that got us. Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, for example. Get the idea? Oh, did I not mention Disney, Comcast, AT&T, Netflix? These are all gateways to the internet. We live in a world of corporate gods. Is that not an oxymoron? Anyhow, back to the idea of decentralization. We have highlights for you later in the program from my conversation with Alan, where we do talk about decentralization. Our conversation, however, will be in the context of social media content creation, ownership, and monetization. We also have another enjoyable mindset segment prepared for you. And thank you for everyone for your encouragement to continue with the mindset segments. I see that we like them. The consumer price index jumped up 9.1% in June versus a year ago. This is a new four-decade high and higher than the 8.6% reading in May. Core CPI, which strips out energy and food prices, was up 5%. Economists had expected 8.8% for headline CPI and a 5.7% core reading. Is this good for the U.S.? 
Well, many experts are not so sure. But before we get into all that, how about some headlines? Uber settles a disability lawsuit and will pay more than $2 million as part of a settlement with the Department of Justice, which accused the company of charging a wait time fee to passengers with disabilities who may take more time to get into vehicles. Uber will pay $1.7 million to riders who lodged the complaints and $500,000 to other impacted riders and credit the more than 65,000 eligible passengers who were handed a fee with double the amount they were charged. Delta buys 100 Boeing Max planes. It's the first major order with the manufacturer in more than a decade. The deal is for 100 737 Max 10 planes with options for 30 more. Deliveries are slated to begin in 2025. It's the first fresh order by Delta for new new Boeing planes in more than a decade. And the more fuel-efficient Max planes will replace the older Delta narrow-body jets. Snapchat comes to desktop. As part of its quest to remind people over 18 that it still exists, Snap is expanding beyond the app for the first time ever. In the newly launched Snapchat for web, you can snap pictures, send direct messages, and video chat with friends on a desktop computer. Some caveats, it'll only be available to Snapchat Plus subscribers initially and won't work on the Safari browser. As of May, Snapchat was the sixth most popular social media app in the U.S. right after TikTok. And Snapchat, as mentioned, is also offering a paid premium service for $3.99 a month. In automotive news, Ford is considering the unthinkable for advertising and sticking with plans for non-negotiable EV pricing. James Farley, the CEO of Ford, the world's grandfather of automobile makers, told a group of analysts, I'm not convinced we need public advertising. And he's serious about that. Specifically, he was talking about electric vehicles. The thing is, they sell themselves. The industry cannot make enough of them. Ford does not even need dealers. Online sales can do that. Part of the success of the Ford Motor Company, apart from its assembly line manufacturing methods, bringing cars in reach of the middle class, has been advertising. This included a focus in the 1920s on freedom and reliability. The Model T could, quote-unquote, cancel distance and conquer weather. And Ford is still a serious advertiser with an annual budget of about $3 billion. In Australia, $653 million was spent in 2021 on motor vehicle advertising, and this is according to Nielsen Ad Intel's top advertising report. But electric vehicles could change that. In the U.S., Farley says Ford stopped advertising the Mustang Mach-E because it's been sold out for two years. Back in June, Farley talked to Lanks about a shift to online automobile gross sales with non-negotiable costs and distant deliveries. After a variety of seller conferences, Ford executives clarified what this implies for the dealership mannequin and adjusted their outlook on the matter, saying that almost all of their targets have been misinterpreted. In the end, Ford is sticking to its plans to have non-negotiable costs for EVs, however famous that sellers will nonetheless have the ability to set their very own costs and have bodily shops regardless of the net enterprise mannequin. And frankly, I don't even know what that I don't even know what that means, but it's in every source on this subject that I can find. So there you go.
Earlier this month, Ford had jubilantly announced that its U.S. vehicle deliveries had surged more than 30% year over year last month. There's just one problem. June 2021 was a horrible month for Ford. At that time, its sales plummeted by 27% as the global chip shortage was wreaking havoc on its production and sales. And moreover, on a year-to-date basis in 2022, deliveries are down 8%, even though Ford has faced easy year-over-year comparisons. Ford appears to be losing share in key market segments, and unfortunately, the automaker is spinning the numbers to make them appear better than they are, rather than explaining to investors what is going on. And that is a concerning development for Ford shareholders. For example, dealers delivered 57,673 F-Series trucks in the U.S. last month, up 26% year-over-year. But that was still down from 65,188 deliveries in June of 2020, right after the pandemic had gotten started, and 79,204 deliveries two years prior in 2018. In total, Ford's 152,252 domestic deliveries in June represented a 34% drop compared to June 2018. In tech innovation news, the U.S. approved SpaceX's Starlink Internet for use with ships, boats, and planes. The U.S. Federal Communications Commission authorized SpaceX to use its Starlink satellite internet network with moving vehicles, greenlighting the company's plan to expand broadband offerings to commercial airlines, shipping vessels, and trucks. Starlink, which we've been reporting on for the past couple of years here, Starlink, which we've been reporting on for the past several years, has long sought to grow its customer base from individual broadband users in rural, internet-poor locations to enterprise customers in the potentially lucrative automotive, shipping, and airline sectors. Competition in the low-Earth orbiting satellite internet sector is fierce between SpaceX, satellite operator OneWeb, and Jeff Bezos's Kuiper Project, a unit of e-commerce giant Amazon, which is planning to launch the first prototype satellites of its own broadband network later this year. And here's some fun innovation. Scientists have created worms that can kill cancer cells. Yes, researchers from Osaka University have discovered that microscopic, free-living worms, known as nematodes, may be coated with hydrogel-based sheets that can be further customized to transport functional cargo. Nematodes are tiny, free-living worms that normally inhabit soil or other environmental niches and under certain circumstances may enter the human body. Anisaka simplex, a marine-dwelling nematode that may colonize humans when consumed, has shown an odd liking for cancer cells. The researchers loaded sheath coverings on the nematodes to protect them and loaded the sheaths with anti-cancer agents. The worms then could transport and deliver to kill cancer cells in vitro. And while we're on the subject, robotic surgeons lead to faster recovery and fewer complications for cancer patients. Yes, robotic surgeons are becoming more commonplace in operating rooms across the world, and a recent study shows that is a good thing. Cancer patients who undergo surgery by robot recover faster and are half as likely to land back in the hospital. This is according to a group of British scientists. Further research is being carried out to establish the quality-adjusted life year from using robots to perform bladder cancer operations, a measure which captures both quantity and quality of life. 
And here's something. Scientists create algae computer powered by photosynthesis. Researchers from the University of Cambridge sealed a colony of blue-green algae inside a metal enclosure the size of a AA battery. The unit was then left on a windowsill where the algae photosynthesized, generating a tiny current of electricity that powered an ARM Cortex chip. The system is only proof of concept, but its creators hope algae-powered chips could be used in future Internet of Things devices. They say the advantage of using algae over traditional batteries or solar power is that it has a smaller environmental impact and could potentially provide continuous power. Although this process is extremely inefficient, advocates say biophotovoltaic energy systems could be cheap to produce and environmentally friendly. They imagine that in the future, giant lily pads that float on water could be coated in green algae to act as mobile power stations alongside offshore wind farms coming up there are different uh ways or different different means of of approaching uh blockchain development in this space some are good some are not so good some are better than others but the from the ones that i've seen the ones that operate in a decentralized manner um really have more of a focus on making everyone um, equal in terms of access to the platform. Um, and, and that's a very different model than what you see on the Web 2.0 property. Hey, Dad, are you still looking for a car? Did you know that when you click on car ads, dealers pay for every click? But shouldn't you get paid? After all, you're the one clicking. That's why I use Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you build rewards as you shop. Plus, Ask Auto recommends exclusive offers based on your needs. You can ask questions on cars you like and still protect your personal information. You can even set your price. Who knew car shopping could be so easy and rewarding? Ask Auto. Fast, fun, and rewarding car shopping. before your plan, even before understanding your priorities and your focus, it's really developing that confidence to take action. I love what Mel Robbins shares about having that willingness to try. Confidence is another word that just gets thrown about these days. You know, I wish I was confident. I want to be as confident as then. I am a confident individual. But what if we kind of flip that perspective and look at it as a willingness to try? You know, in spite of fear, in spite of what the result might be, you know, there's that big cliche quote of I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn. But really taking that and embodying that and knowing that no matter what the result is, I have the willingness to try. And especially if you're turning a side hustle into a full time business, you need that willingness to try, that willingness to take action, that willingness to feel the fear, but do it anyway, as that amazing book by Susan Jeffries said. So I think absolutely confidence is is key in life, but especially in business and becoming an entrepreneur. It's connecting to your inner potential, to your core confidence. Les Brown might say to the greatness you have inside. Joe Dispenza might say to the genius within. We all have different words for it, but essentially it's that inner potential and that inner power that everybody has. A lot of people doubt it, but everybody has that. So it's about connecting to that confidence from the core so then it's about bringing that to your to your everyday life and carrying that thought of ignite the fire 
you've you've got the experience you've got the evidence so it's much easier to show up when that fear does for example pressing live on a facebook having a sales conversation whatever it might be when that feeling of fear comes up it's about making that conscious choice to take action anyway That was Harriet Bratt, international speaker, trainer, and firewalk instructor, during B2B Hour on Auto Conversion, talking about building confidence by seeking out opportunities to shine, excel, and do your thing. You can visit Harriet on the web by going to www.harrietbratt.com. That's H-A-R-R-I-E-T-B-R-A-T-T.com. All right, let's get into my conversation with Alan Taylor, author of Crypto Social, How Cryptocurrency is Changing Social Media, and also editor of Cryptocracy on Substack, where Alan writes about cryptocurrency and blockchain technologies on an almost daily basis. Well, you have obviously a an interest and some play in both cryptocurrency and social media i'm going to bring up your website in a second here but why don't you give us a little um little overview of your new book crypto social how cryptocurrencies are changing social media why don't you give us the, the little overview there yeah good well first off i noticed i need to change that coming soon on my website uh, right the book has been published so it's on amazon uh, so what what we got going on here is uh, a few years ago, uh, around 2006, I uh, was doing some research for a client and came across this website called Steemit. And it was a, a website, a social media, social blogging website that paid users uh, for posting to it. And they paid users in cryptocurrency. Uh, the website had its own cryptocurrency. It's still around. Uh, so they pay in steam and steam dollars. And I started playing around on this website and was really intrigued by the idea. Um, a couple of years later, I noticed that there were other sites popping up similar to that, each with its own little take on it. But all of them focused on decentralizing social media in some way or incorporating cryptocurrencies so that users could earn crypto while posting to their platforms. I started playing around on some of them and decided I'd write a book about it. And how long ago did you uh, did you start playing around with uh, Steemit, which you see I have up here on, on the screen? Yeah, I started on Steemit in 2018 and I played around on it for about a year and a half. Uh, I started discovering other sites and decided to play around on some of them and uh, here we are a few years later, about four years later, I guess, and uh, uh, publishing my book. Now, you see I'm here on Steam and I'm just looking at, you know, I'm not yeah. logged in. It's just it's just all posts and there, you can see many different languages. Yeah, it's worldwide. So you, I wish there was a way you could filter out if you didn't want to see English or whatever, but uh, or if you just wanted English language. But uh, Steam isn't the... Uh, that sophisticated and you would think that being the first 
such website to launch with a native cryptocurrency that they might have made some developments along the way. It pretty much looks the same way it did um, five years ago. Uh, but uh, there, there are some interesting things on there. Uh, a, a lot of interesting development back in uh, uh, 2020, Steemit had a controversy when it was purchased by Justin Sun, who co-founded or who founded Tron, the Tron blockchain. Uh, and when that happened, uh, some of the witnesses forked off of Steemit and started Hive. And so if you go to Hive, it's hive.blog, then it looks a little bit like, like Steemit, uh, a little bit more developed. And, and a lot of the old Steemit people that were there when I was there are now at Hive. Yeah, it does look very similar, yeah. like you said. <laughs> yeah, so it looks looks practically the same. Uh, there are some subtle differences in the way it operates, but uh, for the most part, uh, since it since it forked off of Steam, it it's built on the same code. Now, do you know, like, see this dollar sign here? Do you know a pending payout amount? So this is how much the poster uh, is potentially going to be paid for that micro post. Is that what that means? You think? Yeah, and what happens if you look over to the side, there's just 34 votes. If you click on the down arrow, you can see some of those voters. So there's one voter that voted uh, $163. <laughs> That's a nice upvote. And so the way these two sites work, Steemit and Hive, is uh, you have resource credits. And the resource credits uh, allow you to post on the website. The more resource credits you have, uh, the more you can post in a shorter period of time. Mm. But because it costs uh, in resources to be able to post to these websites, you have to earn your way sort of to the top. And so the way you do that is by posting more and getting more upvotes. And so when a whale, a large person on the site votes for you, uh, because they have a lot of resource credits and they have uh, more uh, staked cryptocurrency on that website, they have more influence on that website. And so uh, as you build your, your audience and you get more credibility on the site and you earn more, uh, then the more that you earn, the more you can stake, and the more you stake, the more influence you can have on that blockchain. And that's why some people can vote you up $100 because they have a lot of influence on that blockchain. Cool. So I lo love the idea. You know, I've tried to put the case out there like, look, folks, if you're using something for free, you are the product and you're not really in control of the ramifications. Yeah. Now, you could argue that it works when you are paying for it. I think a good example would be your cell phone carrier. So whether it's Verizon, AT&T, um, T-Mobile, whatever your cell phone carrier is, you're paying a fee for access to the network, right? Yes, and right. you have the autonomy to call who you want, text who you want, and browse the web and use the apps that you want to use. You have the autonomy. The reality is everything you're doing on that phone is completely tracked. Every call, every text message, it's all tracked. And in the license agreements, you are consenting for these corporations to use that, that data 
for improvements and enhancements and creating a better product and a better user experience. Um, I don't really know the fine print of how you're protected from the corporations for, let's say, um, inappropriately using that information. Uh, you know, there's ramifications there. So it's not cut and dry to say because you're paying for it, you know, the company's not abusing or misusing the information. Uh, but, I, but I do think that it sets a better precedent, like, like you were saying, is it, you have to earn your way to be more of an influencer on that crypto social platform. And there's a cost to part playing and there's re, you're also compensated and re, rewarded through compensation as yes. well. How would you distinguish the difference between a model like crypto social media where, you know, you kind of pay as you play, <laughs> if you mm -hmm. will, but you also can get paid versus Twitter and Facebook where it's free and, you know, they have to monetize, they have to monetize your activity and your behavior on their own. Yeah, there is a world of difference uh, on Twitter and Facebook, any of the legacy social media platforms. You have free access, uh, but you have to give something up to, you know, usually you have to join, uh, give them an email address, for instance. Okay. Um, even if all you do is give a name and an email to sign up, you're still giving up something of value to join. Uh, in this case, um, your personal data. Uh, and what do you get out of that? Well, you get the privilege of making a fool of yourself by posting all the things that you post on there, your cat memes, pictures of your food or whatever. But you don't get paid for that. Whereas they will sell advertising uh, that will run alongside your content and they will earn the revenues from that and they will not share that with you. Um, they also uh, will sell your data. Uh, to other companies and we've seen that happen and they make billions of dollars selling personal data of their users and they don't share that money with the users. What a lot of these crypto social platforms are doing is they're saying, okay, well that's wrong. <laughs> we have a philosophical disagreement with that whole business model. Uh, so what we promise you is you show up, uh, you earn based on your content. Okay, and there are different models of earning. Uh, sometimes it's uh, tip based where readers will pay you a tip uh, or uh, as in the case of Publish Zero X, uh, it's a tip, but they click a uh, button to say, I want to tip you 80 percent or 90 percent or whatever, and then give myself the other 10 or 20 percent. Uh, so it's not coming out of my pocket. It's just generated on the blockchain when we do that transaction. In other cases, the uh, the model is based on, like on Hive and Steemit, uh, just you creating content and other users upvoting your content. So there are different models of doing it, but you have the ability to earn. And they, tell, and they will tell you, most of them will say, well, we will not sell your data. We're not going to sell your data. We're fundamentally against doing that. And many of them don't even collect your data. Um, so, you don't. Hive doesn't require... Uh, an email address, for instance, to join it. And so, um, you know, you might pay three bucks to to join in a cryptocurrency, depending on how you sign up. They have different ways for you to sign up because it's decentralized. Uh, but 
it's a very small price to pay uh, for the potential gain. There's two scenarios that I want to bring up and curious on your opinion on if, and if so, how crypto social might um, keep things like, like this from happening. So one would be in the case of Mark Zuckerberg, like you said, uh, the, the CEO of Facebook, like you said, you're a free user. So they, they have the right to monetize uh, your, in your data, however they see fit really. Yeah. Um, they have to, they kind of have to disclose that, but that lines the pockets of the, you know, the, the, um, the stakeholders, if you will, Yeah. you know, and it came out that Zuckerberg put $420 million into very select specific voting precincts, uh, to help, uh, push for more democratic votes during the election. He did nothing illegal. What he did was legal. But yeah. I, I just feel like if you're a Facebook user, and I'm, a, I don't, I'm not making this political, but it's kind of like owning stock in companies that, in, that have values or investments that don't, that don't align with your values. Sure, you know? yeah. So I'm kind of like, hey, look, people, if you are a conservative, for example, and you, and your and you know your political uh, interests are in say Republican conservative, um, um, uh, what do you say tenants, right? Uh, yeah. Well, your use of Facebook is perpetuating your opposition because the CEO <laughs> is going to use the money he makes, you know, to do what he wants. Yeah. So, you know that's. That's one scenario. Are the people behind crypto social like hive.blog like, I mean, just because it's a different paid model, that doesn't keep the same thing from happening in that scenario, does it? Well, first off, hive, is, hive doesn't have a single owner. Um, so that's one thing that makes it different than, than Facebook. The controversy that I mentioned earlier about Steemit and Hive, the way Steemit was set up is that it had a foundation. It had uh, a centralized entity that uh, had pre-mined or ninja-mined uh, uh, some of the cryptocurrency before launch. And and they did that under the guise of saying, well, we want to use that money for development. Um, even though five years later, there hadn't been a whole lot of development. Yeah. Um, but when Justin Sun bought the blockchain, bought the company... He had access to that money and and that freaked the witnesses out. And what they did was they forked the blockchain and Justin Sun uh, imposed his own uh, witnesses on the blockchain. So it was a huge, huge controversy. Uh, so corruption is not, I don't think, endemic to um, the Web 2.0 version of the Web. Uh, I think it's intrinsic to human nature. <laughs> right. We, uh, you know, as a species, we don't have a real good <laughs> track record when it comes to, uh, you know, morality. And so, you know, we're always in it for ourselves. Well, what decentralization tries to do is uh, level out the playing field so that 
you and I don't have to trust each other in order to cooperate on making the ecosystem better. And, and Hive is built on that premise. Uh, when, when the Hive uh, witnesses broke off from Steemit, they didn't set up a foundation for Hive and say, we're going to mine cryptocurrency and we're going to do the same thing Steemit did. They broke away because they had fundamental philosophical differences with the new owner of the blockchain. So, uh, so it's totally decentralized. And, and I think you'll find there are different uh, ways or different, different means of, of approaching uh, blockchain development in this space. Some are good. Some are not so good. Some are better than others. But the, from the ones that I've seen, the ones that operate in a decentralized manner um, really have more of a focus on making everyone um, equal in terms of access to the platform. Um, and, and that's a very different model than what you see on the Web 2.0 properties. Yeah, I think the idea, I think you have private organizations you have public companies. So Facebook's public. Twitter's going to be private, obviously. Um, and then you have open source. Yeah. So WordPress is, you know, Linux. You know, those are open source operating systems, different, uh, different types of operating systems. WordPress is a content management system. Uh, Linux is a, is a computer operating system. But you never hear controversies and corruptions within those, um, you know, businesses and communities. And I shouldn't say businesses, but within those platforms, you don't hear about that. So me personally, I love, I'm more of an advocate for open source versus private or, and or public. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a huge fan of open source and you're right. Typically what happens is if some, if somebody has a difference in opinion or philosophical outlook from the creator of an open source system. Uh, if they don't want to align with that individual, they can just take the code and go create their own thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what open source is built on. And that's what the Hive people did with Steam. It was open source code. Anyone can take it. There have been, I don't know how many, countless Steam it clones. Uh, you can go, I, I mentioned some of them in my book. Uh, and just look at them and they all look like Steam it. <laughs> They have a different name. Uh, they're on a different domain name, but they look like Steemit. So Steemit is far, Steemit's yeah, kind of the original as far yeah. as you can tell? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there were other, there were a couple of other um, crypto social platforms that launched before Steemit, but they didn't have a cryptocurrency yet. Uh, the cryptocurrency came later. So Steemit was the first one to launch with a cryptocurrency. I want to pick your brain about some of uh, the Biden administration's push uh, on crypto. But real quick, folks, we're talking about Steemit. We're talking about Hive. We're talking about crypto social media. If you go to authorallentaylor.com, which I'm linking to from uh, today's uh, article about the show, you'll see a link there to get a list of over 80 crypto social platforms and protocols uh, absolutely free by signing up there. So again, you can you can get that list. And maybe I'll take this moment now just to uh, just to kind of plug. If you go to autoconversion.net, 
Look under masterminds. We've now officially launched our new blockchain crypto pros mastermind group. And our masterminds are unique in the sense that they're multifaceted. And Alan and I have partnered uh, for the launch of this. And basically you can sign up free for this new mastermind program and you will get our free crypto NFT starter kit. And in that starter kit, it's just a PDF that you'll get for free when you sign up is a link to the same list uh, that I just mentioned on Alan's website. So you can get that list as well just by going to autoconversion.net forward slash grow and then sign up for the blockchain crypto pros mastermind group. When you do, you'll receive that starter kit, which includes that list. And you'll also receive information about our the new mastermind program, which offers both free and premium levels. And if you upgrade to our premium level for only $50, uh, you'll get our blockchain cryptocurrency starter guide, which will teach you how to get started in crypto, minting NFTs, staking, and what Alan and I are talking about, crypto social media. Let me swing over to announcement about, and this isn't new, this isn't like brand new, this came out uh, late February, early March, Uh, but Biden signed the executive order calling on the government to examine the risks and benefits of cryptocurrencies. And I mentioned the six key areas that it's going to focus on, consumer protection, financial stability, illicit activity, U.S. competitiveness, and then financial and res- uh, inclusion uh, and responsible innovation. Do you have any immediate thoughts or insights related to this, Alan, re- related to this executive order? Yeah, well, I've seen it coming for a long time. Uh, I, I've been uh, Ever since I've been watching the crypto space, I've been saying regulation is going to hit this uh, new area of especially since decentralized finance, you know, all these DeFi products and uh, that have been popping up. Um, regulators are going to start paying attention. And, and as we've seen the last few years, they have started paying more and more and more attention. The question all along really has been which agencies are going to be the regulatory agencies. Uh, and I think they're still hashing that out. And that's a part of what this um, executive order is for. It's to direct these federal agencies because they all fall, fall under the executive branch of the government over which uh, you know, Joe Biden presides. And uh, he's essentially saying, you guys need to figure out who's going to regulate what and to what extent. And let's, let's get that ball rolling. Uh, and that's essentially what this is all about. Yeah, and it's good. There does need to be some some level of regulation. It's, that's inevitable as as you know the technologies evolve, as businesses as grow. I mean, I mean, I even reported on that that um, you know that hacker that hack um, on the uh, Ronin network. I'm not a gamer, so I don't really know these networks too well. But you know, six hundred and twenty million dollars in uh, you know hacked and stolen that affects the users yeah you know and there's no like you said no fdic to protect you uh and it's that way now i mean you you can have thousands tens of thousands of dollars on an exchange like coinbase uh which to me is a centralized blockchain it's not a not coinbase isn't a blockchain but it's an exchange exchange yeah it's an exchange 
and it's a public company. Uh, but you know, as we saw, th- and this kind of led to uh, my other, you know, my other uh, world case scenario I wanted to bring up to you. If you recall, in um, uh, back in February, when uh, truckers in Canada protested against the government yeah. and mandates, <laughs> yeah. and they used GoFundMe to raise funds for the protesters. Uh, and two things came out of that. One was GoFundMe decided, hey, we don't ideologically support your protest, so we're going to freeze your funds. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to freeze them. Need a, you know. Centralization. Yeah, centralization. <laughs> and then to make matters worse, the Canadian government said, hey, now we're going to freeze your assets and and you know penalize you and freeze your assets if you've contributed to those so um you know that is the problem obviously with centralization do you think the world would be a better place if 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 there were ways around that to protect yourself i mean there are now with blockchain i do i do uh I've, i've said all along i think there there are use cases for centralization you know when i go to mcdonald's and order a big mac i would hate to think that i'm going to wait three hours to get my big mac because they had to order the bread from over here and they had to go over here and get the meat and that guy across the street's responsible for the lettuce uh that's just inefficient so centralization has its benefits uh they're they're you know a lot of the old-fashioned business model of of having a centralized uh top-down hierarchy is more efficient than decentralization. That's simply a built-in feature. Uh, but decentralization also has its uses. And in one of those cases, so uh, if you if GoFundMe, for instance, was decentralized, and I could go and raise money for my cause, whatever that cause might be, and other people on that system didn't like what my cause was. They didn't ideologically support it, don't agree with it. They couldn't freeze my funds. You know, they might, you know, say, you know, they might send a tweet out and say, well, I don't like you. Okay, great. That's fine. You have freedom of speech. Okay. You you can say all day long, you don't like what I'm doing. Just not on Twitter. The moment, yeah, the moment, (laughs) yeah, the moment you, you freeze my funds, now, you're, you're really, you're diminishing my rights at that point and you're infringing upon my right. And, and I don't think, and traditionally we have been here in America, at least we have been very much on guard against the government doing that. We have not been paying attention to how corporations and large centralized organizations do that. And now I think we have to be. You know, that's that is such a crucial talking point, Alan. Uh, I remember many years ago, uh, a good friend of mine, like Facebook was kind of just becoming a thing. Google was already the big daddy that it, that it was becoming. And uh, I remember he said, you know, if the government wants, you know, wants your private information or requires this and requires that, or wants to do this and do that. 
everyone can will go in an uproar. They're like, government can't do that. But if you put Apple or Google or Facebook's name on it, people will just become an open book and just give away everything that they have. And it's very, very true. We have, we single-handedly as users collectively have created these um, technocratic, you know, non-elected, non-diplomatic, technocratic um, authorities that mm-hmm. literally control our 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 experience, our life experience in the world today. I don't think yeah, we, and, I don't think people realize it to that extent. Yeah, and, and in many ways, it's it's more dangerous than anything that that our government would do to us. And so, because they're not know, elected, I think that they're not elected. Forget. You're right. The yeah, they're not of democracy in this case, and we're giving them our personal data, and pretty much essentially saying, "Do whatever you want with it." Yeah. It's a blank check and, and they're selling it. And, and you have data breaches uh, where personal data is uh, being compromised and you just don't know whose hands that's going to fall into. Yeah. And, you know, to be clear, we got to wrap this up because we're out of time here, but, um, but fortunately we're not a big centralized media entity, so we can break the rules a little bit. (laughs) Um, But, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, my dad has already shared. It's like, you know, my name, my address, like that stuff's all public. But that's not the data that's important. What's valuable, folks, uh, about your privacy is your predictive nature. That's what's valuable. It's it's giving uh, corporations and even governments now the ability to to capitalize monetarily or through. Uh, just, just power, you know, civic power itself based off of your predictive behavior. That's what's really valuable. It's not things like that's available everywhere, your name, your address and all that stuff. I've read that, that sponsor clip for smart pixel, you know, they have over 300 data points available to you. It's all public information. In fact, just last week, uh, a court uh, dismissed a case against uh, scrapers, big national scrapers that that crawl the web and scrape data and then monetize that they said there's nothing illegal about that you can do it because it's public information right um but it's the predictive information that the algorithms are able to figure out i'm a big youtuber like youtube user yeah and i go on my tv and the very first um video selections are determined by youtube's algorithm that's and right. I got to say nine and a half times out of 10, the very first video that it's presenting for me at the very top left, I cannot resist watching it. That's how well the algorithm knows. It's like, he's going to watch this. That's correct. Yeah. And you know, some people like that. I got into a debate with a guy on one of the crypto social websites uh, where he was defending Facebook on that ground. Uh, he likes being able to just show up and Facebook knows what he's interested in. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not real comfortable with that myself because, uh, you know, some things I might like about Facebook, but what I don't like about Facebook is the algorithm that determines what shows up on my newsfeed. Why can't I determine what shows up on my newsfeed? 
Yeah. And I would even argue it's not so much about the benefits that you have a problem with that we would have a problem. It's the unintended consequences that we might not know about. That's the Absolutely. real problem. Yeah. And I discuss all of that in crypto social. I actually go through some of the controversies in social media history, you know, uh, the data breaches and and all of these uh, things that we're talking about. Uh, the unintended consequences and the invisible influence and all of these things that uh, are negative that people may not even be thinking about while they're using these platforms. Well, good. I've started reading it. I haven't finished it, but I look forward uh, to getting into some of these really important subject matters that you talk about. Um, so congratulations on the book. And, you know, thanks for popping up here. Uh, Alan Taylor, everybody, author of Crypto Social, How Cryptocurrencies Are Changing Social Media. Uh, and you can get that uh, by going to, you can find it on Amazon. I, I had, you saw I had it up here on Barnes & Noble. You can go to Alan's website, authorallentaylor.com. And, you know, why don't I add this? I Folks, I mentioned about the new blockchain, blockchain crypto pros um, mastermind group where you can not only get uh, for free uh, Alan's list of 80 plus crypto social media platforms and protocols, uh, but when you sign up and you'll get our free our free starter kit, there'll be a link for that in there. There'll also be a link to, to get our blockchain crypto starter guide, which walks you through uh, a whole variety of events, things such as crypto social media. And in the guide uh, is a link, is an affiliate link to Alan's book on Amazon. If you buy it with our link, then we'll give you a third month free of the mastermind program. The, the initial purchase is $50. You can sign up free. You can upgrade for 50. You get two months of our support service. Alan and I are co-hosting a, uh, a clubhouse room every month, and we do a different lesson within the within the starter guide and we go through that and we welcome folks anyone on clubhouse can join us there and then we're also holding a round table where we can help you get started in different areas such as crypto social media maybe you have some projects you're working on and we're developing a private digital community around uh cryptocurrency it's designed for both novices and enthusiasts and you can benefit uh, from that so definitely check that out Hey, Alan, before you go, you mentioned Steemit. Hive seems like kind of the, the better version of Steemit. For people like myself that are, you know, haven't really gotten into crypto social but are interested, where would you recommend be a good starting place? I think probably uh, Hive, Hive is a good place, but I think uh, it's a little overwhelming for new people. I would, I would recommend going to publish Xerox, which is all about cryptocurrency. Most of the content there is about cryptocurrency and you can read it and you can join. It's real easy to join. You can join by email. Um, you don't need a big cryptographic key to, like you do on some of the other platforms. Um, uh, but the benefit there is if you're new to cryptocurrencies, if you're new to all of this, you can learn about that on publish as you read the content and you can click the button at the end of the, each article that you know, the ones that you like and tip the article, uh, the person that wrote that article 
And the beauty of it is you also get a portion of that tip just for reading. And so you can see how cryptocurrencies work and how earn a few while you're reading about and learning about cryptocurrency. So uh, publish is a great place to start. What's the website? Because I you, I heard you say Xerox, publish Xerox, but what's the website? Yeah, it's publish0x.com. Oh, let's try that. Publish0x.com. Let's see that. And and they actually pronounce that publish, but it's got a zero and an X on the end. And so, yeah, I'm bringing it up know. right now. Yeah. And so you can see right there where all of the... Uh, all the articles are about cryptocurrency in some way. Splinterland, one of the uh, uh, the biggest uh, decentralized gaming, uh, uh, socialized games uh, on the internet. Uh, they talk about Twitter and Elon Musk and, and all that. So, yeah, But you can see down in the right corner of each of these articles, uh, there's a, a, a dollar amount. And so that's how much those articles have earned uh, at, at uh, currently. Very, very cool. And this is a, a direction, folks, that I've been uh, pushing for, for auto conversion, our company behind uh, the podcast here. So I just put a link to that uh, in the uh, public chat, in the yeah the public chat for the video. So that's up there. Yeah. And, and if you sign up, look for me um, either as Alan Taylor or Cryptocracy, um, my newsletter uh, I publish. I publish on uh, publish as cryptocracy, uh, and uh, my profile name is Alan Taylor, and and that's pretty typical of how I do things on on these social media websites. You'll either find me as Alan Taylor or cryptocracy. Very interesting. I'm noticing because I'm not logged in, right? That I can't yeah. do a search. I, when you do a, when you log in, maybe it's Explore. Can you are you able to search? Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't know you could do that if you weren't logged in, but yeah. that's uh, that's good to know. Uh, yeah, and so you can see there are other categories there: music, photography, art. So you can publish in those categories. My experience is the crypto articles uh, pay out a little bit more, but you can publish in other uh, you don't have to just publish crypto. So if you wanted to write about other things, you know, if you wanted to write about uh, art or photography or travel or whatever, uh, they have those categories. Okay. Very cool. Do you have an idea of how many users might be on this platform? Oh, I wish I did. Um, it is, I think, one of the more popular ones, uh, but I couldn't give you uh, a number off the top of my head what how, what their usage is they might have a page on their website uh, some of them publish their user uh, statistics and some of them don't and I don't remember if publish does or not um, but you may be able to search for that once you join it's really easy to join um, they uh, they do approve you so it is centralized. They have to approve you and, you know, they ask you questions. What are you going to use it for and all that? So, mm. um, so that part is centralized, but once you get on there, you can, you can write about, um, whatever. So, uh, as long as it's, uh, legal and, and ethical and all that. Um, but yeah, if you go to the list of 80, uh, crypto social platforms that, that you just mentioned, there are quite a few on there. Some of them are very niche. And so if you, if your travel 
uh, oriented. Uh, there are some that are focused on travel. Uh, if you are a video producer or you do a lot of videos, there are some that are focused only on videos. And so you can find what you're looking for. Cool. Well, Alan, thanks so much for coming up and sharing this. Uh, learn a lot just from conversations and, uh, and realize there's a he heck of a lot more to learn still uh, in, in this space. Yeah, there, there surely is. And I'm learning, all, I'm learning more all the time. <laughs> all right. Alan Taylor, everybody, go to authorallentaylor.com to uh, check out his new book and get his free list. And Alan, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Okay, that is a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Auto Converse podcast. Remember to text the keyword Auto Converse to 855-766-7585. Get yourself subscribed to our YouTube channel so you can tune into our live shows. Uh, and you can also listen to the podcast up there as well. In addition to the live show every month, we're also on Clubhouse doing a variety of things, including our monthly Crypto Pros micro classes on Clubhouse, uh, which are free and open to the public. But I recommend if you're interested in learning more about cryptocurrency or maybe you're an enthusiast or expert and have, have something to share, we'd love to have you get involved on the podcast and in our Clubhouse rooms as well. Head on over to autoconversion.net forward slash grow. Again, that's autoconversion.net, not to be confused with autoconverse.com. Go to autoconversion.net forward slash grow and look for the Blockchain Crypto Pros discussion group. You can sign up for free and receive all the information and see how you can get started in our free mastermind group. All right, uh, we're signing off. We're out of here. If you are a Doge holder, well, I think we've hit rock bottom, so we only have up to go from here. So here we go. To the moon. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon. This is Audiburst Media.